Hi everyone, my name is Herb Schallenberger and I'm one of the programmers for this year's Barrick Film and Media Arts Festival. Um, today, this podcast you're listening to is a conversation with artist filmmaker Fern Silva, whose film Rock Bottom Riser we're really excited to show in this year's festival as part of the Barrick New Cinema Awards. Um, we presented a sort of work-in-progress presentation on the film last year with Fern, um, and it was great to hear about it then when it was still in production, um, and really excited to speak about it now, you know, now that we'll be showing the film in the festival, and now that, um, you know, it's played around in other festivals and had, had a sort of uh, life in that way. So with that, I'm really excited to welcome Fern Silva. Hi, Fern. Hey, Herb. Thanks for having me. Hi, everybody. Um, so I wonder if you could start off talking about your sort of filmmaking methodology kind of generally, especially when it comes to depicting um, particular places within your films, which I think you do really well. You know, you take qualities that are sort of hidden beneath the surface of a place and, and try to make them visible. But how do you think about um, approaching places as topics for films? Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, a big part of the process is sort of organic. Um, once I just, I hit one idea. And I think, um, you know, sometimes these things sort of uh, happen by chance, you know, and certainly they happen through... Um, any sort of news that might that I might run into, whether it's often some a bit of it would be sort of contemporary news, and then um, at that point I sort of start to obsess over over it, and then sort of start to dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And I guess the point is how far deep I could dig, and if I reach a point, then I'm I maybe a little bit less interested. But if it just keeps on going and it's sort of endless, um, that's kind of where I kind of like grasp onto it. Um, so I think that's kind of the motivation with with the films um, is that there's sort of like endless ideas that could sort of revolve around any certain subject matter and um, and the sort of the phenomena that revolves around it, both in natural and the natural world and, and certainly uh, culturally. Yeah, that's really interesting to hear. And you you spoke in your introduction to Rock Bottom Riser about you know film as a sort of um, mode of inquiry and I really like that because um, you know sometimes I watch a film and the filmmaker presents this kind of authoritative voiceover like they figured everything out but I think in a way my favorite films are the films where like filmmakers don't have the answers for everything and you know even through making the film there's still things that they're kind of grappling with and is that, you know, something you can relate to within your own work? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I don't think it's even just in my own work, maybe in my own identity. Because, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, even you said, you know, going to places and, and shooting, it's like, you know, I've made films in the United States, but, and that for me also feels kind of foreign. It's sort of, uh, or like you're going back to make films in Portugal and that feels like, you know, there's like a disconnect, you know? So I think it's always trying to find that, connection within that disconnect, but also being okay with the fact that it will always be disconnected and you could never know, really know everything. Mm. Um, I think because cinema is sort of this reflection of a, of a 
proposed reality and we've already built, you know, like they're built within these narratives and we have these expectations. So people have a lot of expectations, right? Um, so I think for me, it's sort of, it's fun to sort of subvert and play with these ideas, you know? I mean, memory, what is documentary and nonfiction is just a series of like memories that are disjunctive, you know? And I think that is how I feel uh, as a person and I, that's the reflection, cinema is a reflection of that. So um, the fact that, you know, there are these attempts and signifiers certainly and in, in like the sort of uh, emotional weight that certain shots and, and, and um, you know, strategies have, um, it's just always fun to play with that, to play with that expectation and then sort of tear it apart and start it over again. Um, so I think the other thing too is that, you know, especially if you're working in nonfiction, you're dealing with subject matter that's not necessarily always related to you. You know, it could be, but it could be other people and so on and so forth. So, you know, I think that it's important to know your place um, in that sense uh, and that things are sort of open um, um, and you understand that and not try to like sort of impose like one, you know, sort of idea. Although, um, I mean, I could talk about this over and over again. Well, that has uh, also probably yeah. produced really interesting <laughs> results in some cases too. Yeah. Certainly. yeah, certainly. But I think it's always with, you know, these projects is, uh, you know, the point of it too is to sort of uh, open it up as much as possible, you know, to leave things open for interpretation um, yeah. with like a level of self-awareness um, so that everybody could sort of pick from it, you know, like certainly some of the work will be directly related to a piece of literature that maybe one group of people might get and others won't. So the point is to not be exclusive, you know, but the problem is that with experimental film often like anchored in the Academy becomes sort of like, uh, looked at as this sort of exclusive or elitist kind of way of making work. But I think to me, it's the, the it's more of a egalitarian kind of like open um, for whatever you, you could pull from it. But certainly within the research, you know, for example, with Rock Bottom Riser, there are a lot of things in it that not everybody would get unless you are Hawaiian or you've studied Hawaii. And that is just the extra, you know, that's just sort of like the extra bonus to really understanding all of it, I guess, you know. So let's get into, you know, the film as a subject. So, you know, Rock Bottom Riser, it's this very immersive, very idiosyncratic portrait of of Hawaii, especially focusing on uh, Mauna Kea, but also, you know, you find these many different really productive tangents through which um, to tell these kind of intertwined histories of this place, intertwined, you know, about... Um, colonialism, about industry, technology, the environment. Um, and I know that like Hawaii has been a place that's been on your mind for many years due to this kind of uh, familial connection that you discovered in Portugal. Could you speak about how you, um, you developed the concept for, for Rock Bottom Riser over time? Yeah, uh, so that's a bit tricky, right? So there are these, there are these talking about fragments and memories. Um, I mean, I was always like deeply, deeply, deeply interested in um, ancient Polynesian voyaging because I, to me, I feel like it's the greatest accomplishment in the history of humankind. Um, the fact that the early Polynesians were able to sail for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of miles and kilometers um, without instruments like thousands of years before um, any Westerners have, you know, and when they did it 500 years ago, 600 years ago, um, they did it with yeah instruments in these big fancy boats and were hardly able to do it. And, you know, the Polynesians were able to do it um, by knowing themselves and their, where they stand and 
on earth and in the sea, uh, understanding the swells and the currents, um, being these master, master, master uh, astronomers too, finding their way by mapping the stars and the constellations in the sky. And so with that in mind, and then, you know, uh, in the early 2000 or in the late 2000s to 2009, um, le learning about the controversies over the, the 30 meter telescope at Mauna Kea, I started to think about that as well. That sort of sparked my, my mind in terms of like how I wanted to think about this. I, actually, even then, I didn't think this would be a film. I just thought, well, this is really fascinating how this is sort of unfolding. And through that, I understood the weight of this telescope, it being on why people are opposing it, why the protectors are there. And then really the deep, deep, distraught, really difficult um, and, you know, history um, from the past 200 years with the arrival of foreigners. And so, I mean, to, to answer your question, it started with the Polynesian Voyagers and then and then it hit, uh, you know, I learned a lot about the Hokulea, which was the a ship that resembled the early Polynesian Voyagers that was built and sailed in the 70s. Um, so then that sort of caused this uh, renaissance in Hawaiian culture, because so much of it was denied throughout the 20th century, late 19th century, into the 20th century, um, with the illegal occupation of Hawaii from the United States, and so on and so forth, um, and then sort of like the outlawing of the language and culture. And so this was such a big deal, and to me, I, I just became obsessed with it. I kind of over time, it just came together, having friends that were in Hawaii, collaborators that were thinking about the same thing, and then I just it, it kind of unfolded I didn't have to push too hard. It was just, it kept on happening. And to me, it felt like um, uh, it just, it was inevitable. So that's, that's kind of how, <laughs> that's kind of how, the, in a nutshell, you know. Layers uh, um, perhaps built over one another, like, like lava that would um, form into a mountain. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, and that's how I think about, I think cinema sometimes it's sort of, you know, like in a spherical sense, right? Instead of like the cyclical thing that just sort of comes back around, it's just mm -hmm. like these things just kept on folding and folding or just doubling and tripling. Um, so, so yeah, that was it. And I think also the fact that, you know, these telescopes on top of Mauna Kea are some of the first telescopes that are discovering all of these um, potentially habitable planets. And so this sort of lineage and this idea of like colonization sort of continues on in these various forms. And um, and certainly, you know, with the early Polynesians, they arrived in Hawaii and, you know, they didn't colonize anyone, you know, um, and, and with the foreigners coming in with, uh, the, you know, the discovery of Hawaii by Captain Cook and then the, the early missionaries, and then, then moving forward and that sort of continuing into the space it just, I can't help but think of the, the telescopes as these sort of colonial tools in a sense, you know, just sort of finding these other planets that learning from this history you know it doesn't it seems a bit frightening to think you know yeah, um, yeah. it's just going to cause a bit of destruction you know there's a um song by the anarcho-punk group crass called where next columbus which is oh my god yeah is, right. um, one of my favorites um i want to yeah. i want to hear about actually um the shooting of the film and specifically sure. i'm interested in you know, how you chose to capture different types of the the landscapes and the natural world um, sure. around Hawaii. It's like these very rich um, images that you're, that you're shooting. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, that was something that was obviously on my mind um, constantly, because if you think about the island of Hawaii, um, it's formed by multiple volcanoes from different periods of time, you know, like millions of years ago. And some of them are, you know, are active and some of them are dormant and some of them are extinct. And so they all just pose a very particular 
period of time, right? And some of them are just like, would be very early signs of like uh, the formation of the earth, right? Because we're dealing with, you know, this active volcano and it's creating this land and then that sort of, uh, and then from that there's vegetation and so on and so forth in life. Um, so I think from the beginning, I always thought about it in the sense of just like, you know, we're sort of always arriving on a new planet that's being discovered or that we're looking at levels of time um, uh, throughout the space and, and certainly in, in, in terms of like, uh, you know, the sort of colonization of the island as well. So, uh, you know, part of it was thinking about it in a science fictional sense um, or playing with that idea, but in this, but really it was just sort of just trying to show the sort of its time span, for example. For me, it's really interestingly presented by the um, the lava flows that are hardened on top of a road. Like you're saying, it's these different time spans, but they're not necessarily um, in the same order that you might expect them to be. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So then that's like the, that's the difference. Right. Um, we see these spaces in their own sort of, let's say, time frame. Right. And then all of a sudden we see a highway right and we're, we're talking about now the present and then we see this ancient thing sort of just like completely um cover it over you know with no disregard you know it's just it's completely has stopped it in its path um which to me then is like you know instead of the parallel it just sort of like butts heads in like a sort of like dialectical sense right um that we're dealing with these ideas and then they come crashing in this one way and then we start all over again so um yeah, I mean, that was something that I had no control over. I couldn't say, hey, action, you know, start, you know, start spewing lava. You know, it was just this thing that happened that was actually inevitable, you know. Um, the interesting thing is, though, is that this area where that lava um, in Puna, where the lava was flowing, was always like a danger zone for, you know, uh, for like eruptions. Um, but still, people were kept continued to build there and, uh, and invest in, in that way. And this was just sort of the island saying that, like, you think you have control, over this island in sort of a colonial sense, um, but we really have the power, and uh, and then we'll just sort of we'll cover all of that or that sort of like that bit of history that's there. It's really interesting to think about um, within this time, which has been um, over the past, let's say, year and a half, which has been moving in kind of unexpected and un- unpredictable ways too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, there's certainly a parallel there, right? Yeah. yeah. There's nothing, yeah, what can you possibly do? Have you have you seen the film projected in the cinema as yet? No, I, I haven't. Um and I haven't heard it in five point one either, but um I mean I, I shot it for I shot it thinking about it existing in the cinema as I think any filmmaker would, but to me, you know, like the idea of it playing on a computer is kind of it's hard to to stomach, you know, because um Really, um, you know, like a, just a big chunk of it, I do think about cinema and its capabilities and sort of being, in a sense, sort of engulfed or um, in, a, in a dark space and experiencing it certainly adds a, another element, you know, of like, you know, a sort of atmospheric element to it. Yeah. And could you talk a little bit more about the, the sound and the sound design of the work? Yeah. You know, I, I've worked in the past with Sergei Tripanen, who did the score, and I never really had a score done. It's, you know, uh, in the past, if I've worked with somebody else, there'd just be some sounds that they make, and then I'd find a way to sort of manipulate them and put them into the film. But this specifically, Sergei has a, a, had uh, his close ties to the Big Island and, you know, spent a lot of time there, recorded a lot of the natural sounds. And so a lot of those sounds that you hear within that score are sort of like mixed through a synthesizer. Yeah, I mean, there were moments where, you know, the, you know, it was really trying to sort of create some sort of environment, you know, um, for the image because the image is so massive. But, um, you know, the plan at some point was to just record a, a voiceover and script it. And then I, that just to me, like, 
in so many ways was something I didn't want to do because it seemed it's, it's such an easy thing to do and people do it and they always rely on it and it just isn't pushing anything forward. And then it sort of always implies this sort of like uh, authoritative voice and, 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 and holding the viewer's hand. And so um, one, like I was saying before, maybe I don't know if we've talked about it, but like knowing my place as a filmmaker and, a, you know, like of always a foreigner, I think filmmakers are always foreigners wherever they're shooting. Um, even if it's in their own backyard, that uh, that I didn't want to sort of make something specifically just for the film, that like I would participate, arrive at places where there are people who I think were important, what they were saying uh, about Hawaii and its history um, and what's going to happen or what's happening in Hawaii, um, that, that those recordings were sort of already made for the public for the most part, and then that I was also going to use them for the film, even if it's they're out of context, because, you know, a lot of them are lectures, right? So... I mean, it's something I thought about a lot. There are moments where we are hearing some sort of reverberation coming off from the sides, and that sort of implies these other things, right? That we're sort of like bouncing around a room. Um, these these voices are echoing through space, uh, through those spaces, um, and possibly into the future, you know, or coming from the bouncing from the back. And so I think that's kind of the ideas I had um, about that, and also in, not just within the lectures, but also. Um, uh, with a play, this sort of you know was a you know there's a there are parts of a play that are are in the film and and that's those are based on these planned um, shows uh, that were part of the the bicentennial of the arrival of the Christian missionaries in Hawaii. So that to me also added this whole other level of performance. There is a moment where I do uh, meet with somebody you know like you know there was one that was more intimate and there was a lot of and that's the thing is that i had these recordings that are a lot more intimate um and they were just in the form of like talking story you know they're just sort of unfolding and having a story and i think in a sense at some point i didn't feel comfortable with using that i wanted to keep it for myself you know because it was something that was personal you know um in that sense um but there are, you know, there are moments where there's a description um, with Kalipa Babian is talking about the star map and, and doing this dem- demonstration. And in that sense, I felt okay with using that because we are doing this demonstration. I thought it was sort of important. And, and so, you know, it just, I think what it's trying to do is just, you know, cover very many different ways of how you could sort of receive information through an otherwise kind of documentary film. Um, um, I think that's where the sort of experimentation comes into place. It's also the sort of really not wanting to fall into those traps um, of like those easy, easy traps of just trying to build a narrative and, and trying to just use a scripted voiceover, you know? Sure. This is a, this is a non-formed question. It's just thoughts that are coming from me as you were talking. Um, you know, you're talking a lot about um, information and you're talking about, um, you know, wanting the viewer to um, to perhaps go off and research more on their own. You know, I think um, a lot of times, uh, you know, experimental films, if you can call this an experimental film, which maybe you can or maybe you can just call it a film. I don't know. As time goes on, I find less useful the sort of divisions of these things experimental films are often seen to to stand as something that is abstract that is like um you know hard to understand or whatever whereas you know the sort of um subject-based documentary which is very kind of programmable by like factual television and things these are seen to be things that have information and education to them but 
you weren't setting out necessarily to make um, an informational film. You're an artist, you know, you were, you were putting together all of these lines of research and inquiry, but I think that um, there's something in that, like, right. You know, like um, you're also a teacher as well. Right. I don't know. Um, And so like, uh, how can this be simultaneously like a work of art and pedagogy or I don't know, maybe it's just like getting to getting to be too big of a thing here, but I don't know. I find I find it interesting to talk through these things. Yeah. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I think that's something I'm always, always thinking about. Um, I think they each have their own place. I think, I think I do, don't get me wrong. I do love like, you know, educational films or ex, you know, like, right. You know, expository films, or at least the ones from like the sixties and seventies, you know, like, um, um, for example, like, you know, I was not that long ago, I was watching um, The Secret Life of Plants, for example, which is like kind of amazing. And it's totally expository, you know, but I think my fear of, you know, and especially we're dealing with the, like political things and, you know, and cultural things. It's like, uh, you know, I, I'm fearful of like, you know, like, you know, nonfiction film being used as propaganda. And I feel like oftentimes it's just propaganda. Or, or oversimplification, maybe. Oversimplification. And, it, yeah. and then at the same time, it, it makes the viewer think, you know, it's like full, pulls you into like total consumption where you're like, mm. I have done something active. I'm, you know, I'm active in this like cause, you know, because I've just learned all these things, which I'm not sure are even true and are kind of like propaganda and are using like formulas and strategies that are like purposefully persuasive, you know, um, that like will wait, you know, an extra 10 seconds to wait for somebody to cry <laughs> and like be like, we got the shot, you know, like. I, that is like this thing that I I have based on like the films of Timothy Ash and Napoleon Shagnon mm. with the the Yamamamis. Like I always think about that, and that's always stuck in my head of what they did and what the, and how harmful it was. Mm. You know, thinking about the axe fight and how you know they are just you know like in the most expository way where there's fr- freezing frames and pointing at like you know the axes and everybody's chopping each other up, and it's just like no, you assholes gave them those axes. You know, you gave them gifts to do research. And I think that, like, although this is really extreme, what I'm saying is extreme in relationship, but I think it's not that different than the way these things work. You know, you could watch something on PBS and learn and then go from there and do some more research or something like that, right? But I think that what's important is that people have independent thought. When I first experienced, like, you know, the sort of unconventional film, um, I mean, I, like, every hero on my body stood up and I thought, oh my God, there's this whole part of life and this reflection of life that I never knew existed. And to me, like, I mean, I was on a cloud for, like, you know, and I just was, like, obsessed and wanted to sort of, like, learn more and more. And it it was, like, this curiosity that was always always there, I think. Yeah, and for those people like us that love cinema, feelings like that sort of never end. I think about the first time I saw Paul Sherritt's double 16 millimeter thing. And I just didn't know that stuff like that was possible. And yeah, that was a moment where my mind was expanded, you know, like, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and to be honest with you though, Herb, as I, like, I've gotten older, I think I just went nuts and like trying to learn as much as possible about like these, like, uh, you know, uh, these, you know, like of experimental film and so on and so forth. And then, you know, as I've gotten older, I've been way more obsessed with like uh, Hollywood film, you know, entirely obsessed with it. Like I've always have to watch like the recent blockbuster to see if it has how much meaning it has and knowing that the general public is watching those films, like how it is affecting them. So I'm like watching it in the sense where I'm like, I'm trying to f- dig for meaning and how it might affect sort of like the greater you know subconscious or whatever and so 
you know, for example, like, you know, I love Dwayne The Rock Johnson and, you know, I'll just like, you know, I'd watch all his films for, for, you know, quote unquote research. And, uh, and, you know, like thinking about that movie Jumanji and how it sort of deals and tackles like, you know, ideas around like identity and, um, and how might, some people might be able to relate to that and then work around it and then sort of find ways to accept one another, which I think is totally possible. So not to be completely one-sided on this. I mean, I think it's just good to be well-rounded and understand that you could take, I mean, there's so much to take from that. And as a filmmaker, that adds to like a much more rich, you know, I think body of work and ideas oh, that sort of sure. sprout yeah, yeah, all these other ideas, yeah. you know? I have, I have two more questions for you. Um, this one is maybe a tough one, but I would like to know, like, honestly from you, what, what has it been like releasing a film or like not a film, this film and your film um, over the past year? It's, uh, you know, it's, I, I've had a completely insane year um, yeah. and yeah. I'm dealing with like mortality and sort yeah. of seeing, you know, these, you know, you know, like thinking about Rock Bottom Riser, even as a title and thinking about it as an idea um, arriving, even, even like taking that, that title from like this idea of the early Polynesians arriving to the islands and then sort of this rock rising from the bottom and then like appearing, like being pulled up by the, you know, by the Scorpius or the, or the hook of Maui from the constellations. And I, and I thought of that because I've been dealing with my mother, you know, taking care of my mother and her passing. It's just like, there's this rock that has been there and it's just been so steady. So it's just like, you start to think about, you know, mortality, obviously in all of these ways and sort of thinking about what's important and sort of working through all of that. So I, it's hard to sort of, um, disconnect those two things. They're sort of intertwined, you know? Um, so, you know, it's just like thinking, you know, so it's like, that's kind of, it's been sort of rooted in that. And there's even like that moment, um, there's a moment in the film by that, like where Rubelite Johnson is talking about over the star, uh, the, the star plates. And at the end, she's talking about the rock, you know, and the strata of the rock and that's our, and it's our mother. And it's just like, that was such a deep thing that I was just sort of thinking about that just sort of carried over with the situation that I'd been dealing with. So, you know, in terms of like releasing the film, I have been, you know, this is like, I think the first, one of the first uh, Q and A's that I've done because I haven't been able to, you know, but um, I think it's for me, it's sort of just starting now, like the being present with it. And I'm excited about that. You know, I'm excited about having the dialogue with people with, uh, you know, this film's showing in Hawaii and, and, and having those discussions because they're all gonna be so different than like a place like Europe and then parts of like uh, mainland uh, United States. So um, I think it's now it's just, it feels like it's just starting, although the film is, has had, has had a life. So um, I don't know if that answers your question. It's no, that's really actually great to hear. Yeah. That, that, and I, I do feel like there's actually a lot, a lot ahead for the film as well, obviously. Um, um, and uh, finally, I'd be interested to hear about um, your new production, which is in progress, which I think you're, you're very much, your brain is in the middle of actually right now. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it's been a bit tricky. So I, you know, I'd been working on this other film in Greece that was revolving around, um, pre-modern Greek, uh, testimonies on pre-modern Greek dream divination, um, uh, intertwined with, um, Greek basketball and the, in this, in this, in the timeline and the story of Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, so, I mean, there, I just am, I, I had, I was supposed to be working on it the last five months, but of course, like I said, I was uh, caregiving the whole time. And so I'm getting back into it. Um, I, I know I'm like literally just like writing, writing, it, writing it, piecing it together to sort of have, a, you know, a little bit of support as I'm like piecing my life back together at the very moment. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be said about it, uh, certainly. But um, there, within these sort of ideas around what's happened, what's been happening in, in Greece the last ten years, and, and sort of the aftermath of or dealing with this sort of economic turmoil and aftermath of austerity or, or in austerity, um, there are all these ideas around like what the future will look like or what the near future may may look like, and and how to find ways um, to sort of prosper um, and what that might mean in relationship to you know, people that were thinking and feeling the same way uh, 1,700 years ago. Um, so in a nutshell, it doesn't answer it. That's sort of uh, a, a part a part of the film. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. It sounds we'll see like a big topic. Oh, it's going to be this, huge. Will this be another yeah. feature? Uh, yeah, it will be another feature, yeah. So, which is strange because it's like, you know, I've been making films for like, what, 15 years now or something? And it's just, uh, and they're all shorts. And, you know, there's this this first feature and then, you know, hope to make another feature. So, um, yeah, that's really great. And it's something for us to look forward to. So, yeah, I hope so. I, I, yeah, I think it'll be, it's going to be an exciting, it's going to be an exciting film and also in, in, in a lot of ways, uh, an ode to, to Greece. And I love that place. Like my heart is there. So it's just like, I, I care very much about it. (laughs) Well, that sounds really great. And we'll, um, we'll wish you huge luck on the, production and you know development of this film and um once again we're really excited to show rock bottom riser in the festival so thanks fern for um for talking with me today yeah thanks herb always a pleasure really thank you